When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a monster near Mount Adams in Washington, and it might just be a fearsome creature from Native American folklore. Welcome back to Unexplained Encounters. I'm your host, Darkness Prevails, who you can follow on Twitter at Dark Prevails. This week's episode features sightings of monsters thought to only be myth, as well as stories about the disturbing things people see while alone in the woods. Enjoy, and remember to send me your scary stories so I can narrate them. Just go to darkstories.org. Check out eeriecast.com for more scary podcasts like this. Now, let's begin. I Still Don't Know, from Running 8.3. This took place in the middle of farm country in New York. Most people hear New York and immediately think NYC, not even close. There's a huge state above New York City, full of woods, farms, and tiny towns. It's actually very beautiful, just very expensive to live here. And with no jobs in those small towns, you can only guess the poverty levels. Anyway, I'm getting off track. I'm a lover of all things spooky, but I am a skeptic, or I was. I'm still on the fence. The night in question was a very warm, humid night. The sky was slightly cloud-covered, and the fire I'd made was flickering nicely. This was the first time I'd had any time to myself in a few months, as I'm a mom of three awesome kids who are now all grown. I lived in town and had neighbors on either side of me and out back of me, but there were some small trees and brush separating the back and fences on either side of us. I was sitting by myself drinking a few beers and definitely had a buzz going on, but I was aware of my surroundings still. I heard a weird noise coming from the side of one of the neighbor's yards, and I figured it was my neighbor just checking in on me. I sat there waiting to hear his voice, it was around 1 a.m., and it wasn't unusual for him to be awake. I waited for a moment and heard nothing, so I figured it was just the beer talking. I decided that was probably enough, and I should let the fire die out and go inside. The moment I stood up, I heard a low growl. What in the world? I thought. All my dogs were inside, and the neighbors didn't have dogs anymore as they had to put their dog down a week earlier. I called out to my dogs, and all three showed up at the glass door inside, so it couldn't have been them. Then it grew louder, an aggressive growl, a warning. My eyes darted around to find nothing. 
I grew up around wildlife, and regardless of what people will tell you, there are wolves in New York. So that did cross my mind. Maybe that or a coyote. They can be pretty common in the area. Also black bears, but no way that noise was a bear. I grabbed the flashlight, and I heard the growl once more. Only this time it sounded like it said, Don't. By then, I'm a little scared. But then I think it's just my imagination, and I need to go inside. I grabbed the bucket of water and dumped it around the fire, then onto it. That's when I spotted it. A large figure standing at the fence. A very large figure. I almost threw up from fear and from the smell. There was an aroma coming from it, like rotten garbage. I was terrified, but acted like I hadn't seen it. Whatever it was had to have been at least seven feet tall, and it looked to have fur covering its body. Its growl was so menacing. I walked towards my house, and I could hear it following me. I got inside, locking the doors and grabbing a knife. My dogs were now sniffing vigorously and growling themselves. They love everyone and are never aggressive, so this was odd behavior. My doorknob on my door started to rattle, and my dogs went crazy. I yelled and ran for the living room. Heart of a lion, I have. That was the last thing I heard that night, so the dogs must have scared whoever or whatever it was away. Still, I stayed up the rest of the night. I finally did fall asleep at daylight. I have no idea if it was someone messing with me or something else, but I never did do the alone around a fire thing ever again while I lived there. The Gray Man That Visits Me From Leah 27 I'm a 20-year-old girl who grew up in a cult. 90% of my family belonged to that cult. As a result, I was very sheltered and supervised constantly. Though I wasn't completely convinced of the teachings, I didn't exactly have anywhere to go if I wanted to leave. So I got baptized in 2019. The week after my baptism was the first time he visited. I was asleep on a hot summer night, the breeze cooling my feet at the foot of my bed. I slept with my windows slightly open and the screens closed to keep out bugs. The room was dark except for the minimal light from the street outside the room. Suddenly, I'm jerked awake as I feel something heavy pounce on my chest. My eyes shot open, but I saw nothing. I tried to get up, but I was being pushed down into the mattress. All at once, the pressure was lifted from me, and I sat up, parallel to my window. And there he was. A slender figure, gray in color, sitting with its legs tucked into its chest outside my window. The thing's head snapped towards me, and I saw its face for the first time. His head looked as though it was a skull, thinly draped in gray, leathery skin. He was completely bald, with sunken black holes for eye sockets, his eyes being bloodshot and pupilless. Suddenly, I drew in a breath and stood to run, but I was tackled to the ground by some force while paintings flew off the walls of my room towards me. I attempted to crawl towards the door when my hamster cage was thrown from my desk onto my head 
and all the writing utensils on my desk were shot towards me. I screamed so hard and loud, soon my family busted open my locked door to find me there. I was curled into a ball, crying in the middle of my room when they flicked on the light. My dad immediately started yelling at me to be quiet and just tell him what happened. I opened my eyes and my room was completely intact. The only thing on the floor was a painting I'd done a month prior, directly in front of me. The painting was of a creature that I hadn't stopped seeing in my dreams until I drew it. It was the Gray Man. I bolted from the room and collapsed on the floor in front of my siblings. I barely had a voice after screaming like I had, so through a hoarse voice, I relayed the series of events that had just occurred. My parents, being super religious, immediately began to come up with BS explanations to dismiss what I'd seen. I recently told my parents I was depressed, and under the advice of my maternal grandparents, my parents began to believe I was depressed because I was lacking in faith and didn't trust in divine power enough. There was no evidence of my room being trashed or the gray man at my window, just the painting in the middle of the floor. My dad walked around my room slowly, and he picked up the painting. He spent some time contemplating the painting in his hand and the paintings on my walls, all done by me as I was an art student. He walked out to the hallway and stood in front of me with the painting in hand. He handed me the painting as my siblings and mother looked down at it. You have attracted a demon, my dad said. I stared at him blankly as confusion covered my siblings' faces. My mind raced with the possibility of how I could have done this. The things you draw, the things you paint, the stories you write, you say you're expressing your feelings, but in doing this, you're inviting these negative spirits. He took on a preaching tone as he said this. It's true. We looked at your history and what you've been watching and the books you've been reading. It's all horror and crime. So much violence. My mom butted in. You know what you have to do. My dad told me as he dismissed everyone back to their rooms. I started to walk back into my room as the lights in the house turned off one by one. Then I heard my older sister at the bottom of the steps say, I believe you. I motioned for her to follow me into my room and she did. We sat on my bed, discussing what I'd seen. The following day, I called the elders of my congregation and explained to them the events of the past night. They told me to collect all the paintings of the creature I'd ever done and all the books and movies in my room that might provoke evil spirits. They told me next to build a bonfire and burn the pile of devil propaganda and pray over it. I did just as they said, through the tears and pain of losing my beloved paintings and books. Fast forward to the end of 2020. I had graduated high school, and I started college to become a veterinary assistant. Alongside school, I worked at an animal rescue shelter, right in the middle of the woods on the countryside of town. My boss at the rescue was a part of the same cult as my parents. Her husband was very close with my dad. They were both higher-ups in the congregation. I was alone most of the time I worked at the rescue. Walking animals on paths through the woods by myself 
spending most of my day in the yard bordering the thick woods. I saw the gray man frequently at sunset, out in the woods, just watching. He'd follow my movements as I locked up the rescue and drove down the winding dirt road to get back to the main road. On the final occasion I saw him, I was alone in the outdoor kennels on a very overcast day. I was in the kennels collecting dog toys in preparation of scrubbing the kennels when I felt the pressure of someone hugging me from behind. I looked up, glancing over my shoulder. No one was there. The force let me go, and I spun around. None of the animals were anywhere to be seen, either. Thunder cracked loudly, and my hair was suddenly yanked down. I dropped onto my back. I began screaming as I felt the force of someone kicking and punching my torso. The sky broke with huge raindrops as the yard erupted with barks and yelps from the animals. My boss pulled up into the yard and jumped out of her car running over to me. She lifted me up, freaking out as I screamed to her that I had been attacked. She told me there was no one here and that I sounded crazy. The next day was my day off. When I woke up, I was sore and my body felt so heavy. I stepped in front of the mirror and I lifted my shirt. My back and chest were covered in bruises and small cuts. I showed no one for fear they'd do something extreme to expel the spirit from my life. My boss's husband had heard about the encounter in my room from my dad, and of course my boss told him what had happened with me at the rescue. He advised my dad to keep a closer eye on me and to monitor everything I partook in. He did just that. This went on for a year until I got a job at a beauty shop down the street. At the shop, I finally met people who weren't in my cult. They introduced me to new ways of thinking and new aspects of life. Fast forward to 2022, I've left the cult and now practice witchcraft as I'm becoming more in tune with my inner spirit and life path. I have no contact with anyone from the cult and they have no idea where I reside or work anymore. I have not seen the gray man since that day at the rescue, but lately I've been increasingly paranoid at night for no apparent reason. I've cleansed my energy and my home, but I'm anxious anytime I leave the house. I've been waking up to the window unlocked, even though I routinely lock all windows and doors before lying down each night. I'm afraid he has not forgotten me. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer, Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play 
With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This is why I hate Halloween. From I Love My Dog 567. No one believes that I saw whatever this thing was. It took place on Halloween. I was 11, almost 12, and in my neighborhood, we celebrate every holiday. I lived in a secluded area of southern Georgia, full of thick weeds, trees, brush, and all that stuff. We were doing a trunk or treat since all the houses were spaced out. It'd be too far to walk from house to house to get candy, so we all thought it would be easier to do the trunk or treat. The night went smoothly, and my friend's mom, who we'll call B, was dressing up as Ghostface. So when we saw B hiding in the brush, it wasn't a surprise. I guess all of us kids like the idea of being scared. I've always been a fan of horror myself. I do believe in the supernatural. Now on that night, it was getting darker out, and my one neighbor and I, let's call them J, wanted to go find B. So we gathered all of our friends and my brother and his friends to go look for B. Now being a kid, I was torn on who to go with. I mean my friends or my own blood. But they went on without me as I was undecided, leaving me under a streetlight in front of my house. I started to walk the way my friends had gone. Keep in mind the woods were on the left side of me and our streetlight bulb was dying out. So I pulled out my phone and turned on the light. I remember I was walking and getting a little nervous, being alone. It was around then I heard a branch snap. I did what anyone would do. I shone my flashlight towards the sound, expecting a squirrel or something like it. At first, I didn't see anything. I should have kept going, but instead I was too curious. I looked around some more. That was a mistake. Sitting in the brush, not even trying to hide, was a pitch black figure. It looked like it had copied B's outfit with the scream mask, but when it stood up, it was way taller than B. I stood there staring at it in shock. The way people say time slowed down when they experienced something traumatic, that's how it was for me. Everything seemed to slow down. That's when it hit me. It was saying something under its breath, and it sounded like B, but not right. I could only make out one word. Run. Before I could even think it, I was running, and I was screaming, and I had soiled myself. I ran to my brother, because I didn't want to go past that thing. When I got to my brother in a heavy panic, I saw B there. How, how did you, how'd you get here before me? I remember screeching at her. I was with them the whole time, Leah. At that moment, I realized that wasn't B back there. She couldn't have beaten me through the Georgia thick brush. My brother took me back to my parents, and that's where I stayed for a while, jumping at every sound. That night, I told my neighbor Jay about the story, and she believed me. I spent the night at Jay's house. Jay's place was two stories high, and her bed was underneath the window. 
Her window had no blinds or curtains, so you could just see out or in. It was about 10 at night. We were watching a movie and getting sugar high. At a certain moment, I was opening up some candy and I heard a tap coming from the window. Not just one, but four or five. Jay asked if I was doing that and to stop, but I replied, no, it wasn't me. I was cut off by what sounded like me screaming from earlier, but again, it was wrong, like when that thing mimicked B's voice. It sounded kind of like me, but it was on repeat. At this point, I knew what it was. I didn't dare to turn around. I started throwing up from fear, and Jay began to cry. Sometime later, it left. The encounters that night made me hate Halloween. I don't know what it was. Maybe a skinwalker, but I can't be sure. Jay and I have been closer friends than ever, and we both can't sleep without some type of light on in the house. We were never scared of the dark before this. If anyone knows what this is, leave us a comment, and thank you for hearing my story to the end. It feels good to tell others about it. Death and the Hat Man From Money Be Good I'm a girl in my 50s. This is a true story of events that took place over a decade ago. It was a cold winter night. I was with my fiancé at his home that rested in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains in Pennsylvania. The wind was wicked, and the snow was blowing sideways. It was building up to be quite a night, and as the lights flickered here and there, we both knew we needed to settle in for the evening. Before we could, though, he needed to run to the store for a few necessities. Cigarettes, drinks, and snacks. We mostly hung out at my place, so his home was scantily stocked. I didn't feel like going back out, so alone, I curled up on the corner of his couch by a lamp and opened up a book, which I'd started to read earlier that week. Now, when he had left and no sooner pulled out of the driveway, the lights had begun to flicker. Jeez, I thought, I really didn't want to be there alone if his lights went out for good. This place was not as comfortable as my own home, and at times, it gave me an eerie vibe. I turned my attention to my book, telling myself that it wouldn't be too long. The store is only one mile away, but when they flickered for about five seconds again, I decided I wanted to go to his room instead. There, I could nestle under his thick bed comforter, and if the power went out, I could just cover up my head and wait it out. My fiancé, Doug, liked to hang a sheet between his bedroom and living room in the winter months, simply to keep more heat in his bedroom. I got up from the couch, turned off the lamp, and approached the doorway to his room. I then reached my hand around the sheet and flipped on his bedroom light. Then, standing before me, just inches from me on the sheet, was the distinct shadow of a tall man in a flat-brimmed hat. I froze. In the seconds before I regained myself, I noticed no features except his hat, and that he was possibly wearing a long coat of some sort. Move, my mind screamed, and I finally reacted, flipping his bedroom light switch back off. I backed up in amazement and could not believe what I just saw. I stood there a minute, just gathering my composure. With a bit of courage from who knows where, 
I flipped the switch again. He was gone. I decided then to move back to the couch and wait for Doug there. When he arrived, I told him what I saw. He said my face was drained of all color and my eyes were wider than he'd ever seen. It was obvious something terrified me, so he believed me. Needless to say, I spent less time at his place from that point on. I'm really not sure exactly how much time went by, but it was now nearly spring and I was home, sleeping soundly in my bed. My phone rang at around 6 a.m. Sleepily, I answered to the frantic voice of Doug's neighbor, Jeff, yelling into my ear. He explained to me that Doug's house was on fire and that Doug needed to get home now. I quickly turned towards the side of the bed where Doug slept, only to see an empty space and remembered that Doug had gone home last night. I shouted to Jeff that Doug was home, that he needed to check on him ASAP. He needed to get him out of that house. We hung up as he agreed to call me as soon as he got Doug out of the house. His plan was to break his bedroom window, assuming Doug was in his bed. I threw on my shoes and jumped in my car, still in my pajamas. It was a 15-minute drive to his house, and I gotta tell you, it was the longest 15-minute drive of my life. My phone wasn't ringing as I anticipated a call back from Jeff telling me that Doug was safely out of the house. Five minutes into the drive, I'm now speeding down the highway when I hear the city fire whistles going off and still no calls from the neighbor. As I turned on to the top of his long, windy road, I could see the flashing lights where his house was. My mind knew the truth, but my heart would not accept it yet. No, 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 I screamed. I approached a fire truck, threw my car in park, and ran to the closest fire person I could reach, yelling, please tell me you got him out of there. She asked me who I was, and I responded, his fiance. She put her head down and shook it left to right, clearly meaning no. My knees collapsed, and before I hit the ground, Jeff caught me. It was a couple of hours before the fire was safely out and the fire personnel could enter the home. As they opened the front door, I looked in. There on the floor, lying in the doorway between his bedroom and living room, was Doug. The fire never reached him. He had passed away instead due to smoke inhalation. I then realized where he lay was the exact spot that I saw the hat man just a couple of months ago. Did the hat man come to warn me of Doug's impending death? Did he cause Doug's death by appearing in the exact same spot Doug died in? I don't know much about the hat man other than he is seen all over the world. But my question is why? Does anyone have any information they can give on him? I know my Doug is in a better place now, but I miss him terribly, and I have so many unanswered questions. The Thing in the Woods From Anonymous I'm a high school student that lives in between a medium-sized city and a rural country town in western North Carolina. This happened one year on Halloween. I just can't take it off my mind no matter what I do. What I heard and felt in those woods just wasn't normal. It was about 6 p.m. that night, 
I just got out of the shower after I got home from football practice. I was getting ready to go to my first ever party at a friend's house. I got dressed and was going as the, you know I had to do it to him guy, because it was easy to do. I went into the garage and opened the garage door to get the leash for my dog Jack, so he could come with me. For some reason, my stepdad let Jack out of the house without a leash because he thought he would listen. Jack is a mix of a greyhound and yellow lab, so he likes to sniff around and chase animals, so letting him off the leash was a bad idea. So Jack bolted out of the door and out of the house. I ran after him because we live by a road where people tend not to follow the speed limit. I chased him around for about 10 minutes until he came to the entrance of these woods that are at the end of my street. He and I saw a deer run out of one side of the woods, and my dog bolted after him. I got flustered and went in after him. This was a really bad idea on my part, a little something about these woods. On two sides, it borders a highway, and on the other two sides, just houses. It has an area of maybe 20 miles, which is just an estimate on my part. I spent the next 30 minutes wandering the woods on my own with a weird feeling that I can't really describe. At one point, I thought I heard a noise down this small path. I went down the path because I thought the noise could have come from my dog, or maybe I was just hopeful it was from him. I went that way for about five minutes, while this feeling I had got weirder and weirder. I then came to a clearing in the woods after walking over a small hill. The ground was covered in these tall, grass-like plants that were maybe three feet tall at most. As I moved through the area, I suddenly froze. Half my mind wanted me to proceed and find my dog, but the other half begged me to turn around and leave because something just wasn't right out here. I stood there for a few seconds before I realized that all the sounds around me had gone. It was complete silence. No crickets, birds, or animals. Only the distant sound of cars on the highway. This was strange, as just earlier, as I was walking around, I'd heard noises everywhere else. Suddenly, there was a new noise. In front of me, I heard the sound of branches cracking and leaves being crushed. Whatever was coming through, it was big. The sound I made when walking in the woods was pretty loud because I'm a big guy, but this noise sounded way louder than the noise I could make. It kept getting closer and closer to me until I finally decided to turn around and walk the other way. My brain was trying to rationalize what this was, but nothing really made sense. Coyotes that live in the area wouldn't be out for a while and wouldn't make that much noise. It wasn't a deer since it would be moving much faster, and I would have probably heard my dog's collar as well. After all, he would be hot on its tail. Bears don't live around here, only in the areas to the south of where I live. I also ruled out the idea of someone living in these woods. There may be people in the area that do that, but no person that was living out in the woods could weigh that much and would have probably said something to me by now so as to avoid startling me. I kept walking and I heard the sound of the steps starting to get faster. Then I began to sprint, booking it down the hill, just running through branches and briars in a straight line. I didn't care to turn around to see what it was chasing me because whatever it was, I didn't feel like seeing it. I thought that would make me panic even worse. After about three minutes, 
I saw the opening in the woods again. This creature was still hot on my tail, and I was starting to get really tired. I ran through the opening and kept going past one of the houses. Then I heard it. This ungodly roar. It came from behind me, from that thing that pursued me. I'd never heard anything like it before. It didn't sound like any animal that I knew. I can't even imitate the noise myself, no matter how hard I try. My blood ran cold, and I felt the biggest adrenaline boost of my life. I ran back to my house in record time, and I ran inside. I called my parents back to the house since they were in the car searching for my dog. We gave up the search for the time being, and I was still pretty shook up from what just happened. I left for the party when my parents got to the house, because I wanted to leave the area, at least for a while. My stepdad did decide to stay home despite my warnings, because he wanted to be there if the dog came back. And thankfully, the dog did come back, safe if not a little bit shaken. I'm still troubled by this, because I don't know what chased me. I'm never going to step foot near those woods again. This makes me quite glad I'm going to college so I can get away from whatever that was. Fair warning to anyone visiting the country area to the west of Asheville, North Carolina. Don't go into the woods alone or unarmed. This episode is brought to you by Tales from the Break Room. Work is a part of life, but who said it would never be scary? Tales from the Break Room is a new podcast from EerieCast Network. Each episode features a story or stories about the most terrifying, allegedly true encounters that happen to people at work or on their commute. You'll hear about violent stalkers in retail and even disturbing, unexplained sightings in the military if you check out Tales from the Break Room today. In fact, I'm the host. Search for, follow, and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or simply go to EerieCast.com. You can even possibly get paid for submitting your story at EerieCast.com submit if it ends up being narrated. The Swaying Man from Money Be Good This is a story from my childhood. I was 11 years old when my folks bought a little house in the Appalachian Mountains of Pennsylvania. It was old and needed a lot of work before we could move into it, so we all had to pitch in. It was my mom, dad, me, and my little brother Davy, who was 8 years old. Before long, the first event happened. Davy and I were helping mom in the kitchen one day, and dad was peeling off layer after layer of wallpaper in the living room. He was cussing because there were so many layers. It was like they never removed a layer of it at all. They just pasted new paper over old, year after year, and never stopped in the corners either, as they'd been rounded out at this point. So dad was frustrated and angry. We could hear him cursing when all of a sudden, boom, we all ran in to find Dad halfway between the living room floor and the basement. He fell right through the floor, and Mom quickly ran over to help pull him out. He was even more mad, but he was fine, and we all got a chuckle out of it eventually. A couple of hours went by, and he was cursing again, as he felt like this wallpaper job was putting him way behind schedule. This time, we heard a loud crash. As we entered the living room, Dad's face was white, 
he was staring at a lamp that lay in the middle of the floor now broken. I could see fear in his face, and he looked at Mom and I, saying, I, I never touched it. Mom looked at the table it sat on, and then to us. She shooed us out of the room, telling us to get back to work. Davy ran off, but I stopped at the corner and peeked back in. Dad told Mom to look at the table, and I looked at it as Mom did. The dust on it was thick, and I could see that the lamp slid about six inches to the end of the table before then somehow hurling itself to the middle of the room. That's when I heard Dad say the words, I'm sorry I cursed you. Please forgive me. That was my introduction to my new haunted house. It wasn't long before me and Davy started getting visited by something in the night while we slept. We both would hear heartbeats or breathing that got louder and louder until it sounded right on top of us. We had a bunk bed and shared a room for the first two years, so we both experienced the things I'm about to tell you. A figure would appear at the doorway of our room. It seemed to sway or swing, sometimes almost dancing. It was so weird and creepy. The sound of either heartbeat or breathing would begin, and the being would sway to the beat, moving its hand like it was going to turn on the light. But it never actually did. As it swayed, it would slowly enter the room, taking its time while approaching our bed. We always froze and would never speak when this happened. We were terrified little kids. It would approach our bed and stand there swaying, and even though we could never see its features, we both knew when it was looking at us. It would look at me, then at Davy, then sway off to the end of the bunk and stand completely still for at least an hour, never moving an inch. Eventually, it would just disappear. Of course, our parents played it off. I think so as not to encourage the fear, but my poor little brother was a mess after the first six months of this happening, and it seemed to happen at least twice a week. They finally bought us a nightlight to keep in our room, but it didn't stop the being from his weekly visits. It just made him stay closer to the wall, and actually looked bigger somehow. This entity never touched us, just scared the heck out of us, until it eventually ended as quickly as it started. Other things happened over the years as we got older. I would hear my name being called when no one was in the house. Davy would tell me about his toys disappearing for a few days, only to return in a place he never put them. But nothing was ever as scary as the first year in that house with our nightly visits from The Swaying Man. A cryptid crossed my path near Mount Adams from Chuwak, 79. This happened between 2003 and 2004. I'd been working for a gravel company off and on for about one to two years. My second year, I was promoted from working underneath a rock crusher, shoveling gravel, and keeping the belts clear for the rock crushing machine. It was the dirtiest job, but built character and humbled me deeply. The following year, 2004, around late summer or early fall, my boss had obtained a job up in the mountains on my res. We were crushing rock and layering it over the back roads for logging trucks. Timber is one of the main money makers for my tribe, aside from the Indian Casino, aka Legends Casino. But back to the job. We started in Old Maid's Canyon. 
I had my shovel ready, but my boss told me to come with him and set the shovel down. I had been promoted to roller operator. Not only was I not working the dirtiest job I'd ever worked, but my boss gave me a $2 raise for running the roller. It took me about a week to feel comfortable operating it on my own, and I was on my own by the second day, but stuck close to the rock crusher and trunks to get more familiar with the roller. About three weeks into this job, I had rolled ahead so far from the crushing site I'd rarely see the trucks. This meant I was farther into the mountains on my own. I had a CD Walkman to listen to music and drown out the very loud roller. I was deep into Old Maid's Canyon. A truck had passed me and dumped the gravel. The backhoe came in and leveled it out, and now it was my turn to pack it down with the roller. The vibration was turned on and I put the roller into gear to move forward. The truck and backhoe were gone by then. With my headphones in, I went to work. I was at least five, maybe six miles away from the crushing site. The roller runs slow regardless, so I can't necessarily kick the sucker into fifth and run out of there in a hurry. I was in an area where the canyon and tree line were butted up against the road I was rolling. The wind had picked up and blew in my direction. It was then that I picked up the stench of something that seemed like rotted meat and seven-year-strong body odor. It literally made me want to vomit. The smell was that bad. I figured maybe a dead deer or elk was nearby. I looked all around me and realized just how enclosed I was in this area. Canyon and trees surrounding me. To the left was a cliffside slightly hidden by tall tamarack trees, but I could see rock from the cliffside through the trees. I took my headphones off, pulled the roller over and shut it off. The smell had become so strong, I knew I had to be pretty close to the dead animal, or whatever was near the road. I heard rocks falling from the cliffs to the left of me. I looked over there as it caught my attention. I also heard some grunting sounds that were deep and muffled, like someone or something was trying to remain quiet running up a hill up the cliffs. I gazed through the trees. The wind picked up again, blowing that awful stench once more towards me. I realized if I can smell this thing, then it's likely that it has definitely smelled me. I mean, it was so close I could hear it struggling to climb the cliffside. Then, through the branches, I caught a sight of a patch of fur. This was fur I'd never seen before in my entire life. The body on this thing was orange and brown in color in the sunlight, the fur covering a very muscular back. People have told me it was probably just a bear. My stepdad, whom landed this job for me and drove a truck for this company, even said it was a bear himself. But I know what I saw. After spending years on the res, I've heard stories of Speelii and Bigfoot, which had been spotted by many on the reservation. The thing grunted and whooped once it reached the top. I saw a good portion of it then. To my amazement and my anxiety, it looked like an ape, but primarily bipedal. The face had some fur over it, and even though this coat that covered the body was orange and brown, it had the snout of a coyote. Almost dog-like. It was like if Bigfoot and a dogman were to have spliced their genes, creating an animal in their image. It would have looked like this. This thing was like eight or nine feet tall, too. Its eyes were a sharp yellow color and almost glowed, even though it was in the daylight. It ran away then, out of my sight. What happened in those few minutes had left a huge impact on me. Realizing I was alone and miles away from people, 
I put the roller in reverse, backing it up and starting my way back to the crushing site. Soon the smell was gone. Everything seemed to return to normal. I might add, before it happened, I didn't realize no birds or owls or anything were around. They would usually fly past me and chirp along the trees, into their nests. I noticed this wasn't happening at all then. No one believed what I saw. I tried to tell my coworkers and my now ex-stepdad. I never ventured far from the trucks after that. If I ended up alone, my stepdad left me with a pistol to keep on me, just in case I came across a bear again. I think the reason people didn't want to believe me was because they didn't want to fear anything while working so far and deep in the mountains, near Mount Adams. I believe I saw a trickster, or spelii, and it scared me to the point that I couldn't wait for this job in the mountains to be done. Once we laid gravel on all the logging roads, I never returned to the job. My mom and stepdad ended up divorcing not long after. I was 24 at the time. The only person who believed me was my mom. Her brother, my uncle, had seen a Sasquatch while he was young. My uncle, creator bless his soul, had died tragically in a car accident when I was nine. I never got to hear his story, but he did see Bigfoot. Our mountains have creatures residing in them. Bigfoot, Spelii, UFO sightings. I never thought I'd come across something like this in my lifetime. This is one of the experiences that has happened to me. I believe Spelii had spared me that day. Instead of messing with me, it scurried away and grunted once at the top of the cliffs as if to say, you're lucky I'm letting you go, before disappearing over the top of the cliffside. These areas of the entire world exist. Creatures reside in them, and we can't even begin to comprehend them. But as a Native American myself, I believe coexisting with things, even if we don't completely understand them, is a part of life. Then again, had it turned out that Spelii wanted to stick around and not spare me, I wouldn't be here right now to share this story. Thanks for listening. It Watches As You Sleep From Anonymous it was November 2021 on a school day. I remember my friend and I were hanging out this particular morning. At the time, I was a junior at school, and things were finally back to normal after the Rona situation. I had just finished softball practice, and I had about an hour until the first period, and my friend wanted to go to Duncan's. So I thought, why not? Little did I know this decision would change my beliefs and open my eyes. Now, Duncan's was just across the street from my school, but my friend wanted to take a detour through the woods to hit her vape. We get to her usual spot, and I walked off the path a little to let her do her thing. I was there for a good while. That's when I heard some sort of shuffling through the leaves. Right away, I felt odd. There was something eerie about it, and it became downright unsettling when I heard someone say, Come here. I ignored it and quickly went back to my friend. I told her we should leave and forget about Duncan's, so we did. The day passed by and at the end of the school day, I felt comfortable enough to go back through the woods. However, I soon regretted this. The whole way home, I kept hearing heavy footsteps behind me, like I was being followed by someone. So I began to run. As I did, I could hear breathing and I swear at one point, I felt that breathing down my neck. 
I never looked back. I didn't want to see what it was. I'll admit I was scared, so that night I went to bed and I locked my bedroom door. I wasn't allowed to lock my door at night in case of emergencies, but I double-checked and I know for sure it was locked. I felt safer. I went to sleep, but at some point in the night, I woke up. At first, I wasn't sure why, until I heard this low growl in my room. Then I nearly gagged, because I could smell something like rotting flesh. I looked around my room to see where it was coming from, and I noticed my door was wide open. Slowly, my eyes made their way to the corner of the room, and I saw this thing. Something inside told me it was the same thing that had been torturing me all day. I wanted to leave, but I couldn't bring myself to move. How long had it been there watching me sleep? It had pale yellow eyes reflecting from what little light there was. Unblinkingly, they stared at me. It was almost touching the ceiling with how tall it was, and I could see yellow sharp teeth as it smiled. It had this sickly looking white bony body. It almost looked human, but all wrong. As I looked into its eyes, I could feel my heart in my throat. Eventually, I was able to will myself into slowly getting out of bed. I walked to the door, my eyes never leaving that thing. Once I reached the doorway, I screamed and I ran to my parents' room. I explained what I saw, but when my parents ran to my room to check, it was gone. They told me I had to have been dreaming and that they would talk about it in the morning. But I know what I saw, and I know I was awake. Since then, I've never seen anything like it again, but I still have no idea what it was. I wonder why it just stood there and watched me. I know it could have killed me if it wanted to. Maybe it was some kind of forest demon that followed me home. Most of the people I share this story with say I made it up but I wish I did. I don't care if they believe me or not. I will say, though, that I'll never be taking any shortcuts through the woods again. Occurrences from Double Spaced These few stories are from when I lived in an old apartment complex. They span over the years I lived there from 2012 to 2021. It was located on the edge of a town in Indiana. The place was nice and bright during the day, but at night, it was an entirely different place. When I'd first moved in, nothing seemed scary at all. It was all cheerful and fun. But a year or two after that, weird things started to happen. Now, there had been a lot of small occurrences in this apartment, but this main one still doesn't make any sense. It was a cool autumn night, and I was relaxing by my computer watching a show. Earlier in the night, I had heard a few creaks from my stairs. Those stairs would creak only when someone had applied pressure onto certain steps near the top, but never by themselves. I tried not to think too much of it. I thought it was just my parents walking up to bed. Around midnight to one in the morning, I had been getting a feeling that I was being watched. At this time, I wasn't allowed to be up that late since I had school the next day. My dad would usually get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom as a routine. His room is also across from my hall, and he made sure to keep all the doors open in case of anything happening. 
so I'd been listening for the creak on the floor to indicate when he would get up. But I felt the gaze of someone or something watching me, so naturally, I turned around to see if my dad was there. But when I turned, there was nothing. Not a single light on, not a shadow, just nothing. I turned back around, still a little freaked out, and I returned to watching my show. A few minutes later, I felt the gaze again, but instead of from my parents' room, it seemed to be coming from my doorway. So I turned the brightness down on my computer and looked at the doorway. Once again, nothing. I looked around for a second to see if I'd been imagining things, but then something caught my eye. In the corner of my room behind my door was a white mist almost hovering right behind the door. Since my bed was right next to the door, I was looking at this mist as I slowly began to spot details. It looked like a man that was in his late 50s to young 60s. He was bald and had little wrinkles, but otherwise looked pretty young for his age. This alone would have kept me quiet, but then I noticed its eyes. Its eyes were black and glazed over, almost as if in cartoons when someone would look at the sky and the stars would reflect fully off of their eyes. The eyes were filled with dread and sadness while he stared. I sat in my bed, paralyzed in fear, chills flooding over my skin in waves. I felt my heartbeat quicken. I don't know how long I stared at his face, but soon enough, it disappeared. Not in a puff of smoke, no passing out, just a blink. Then it was gone. The second occurrence was a couple of months after this, so the event had been cleared from my mind, mostly. It was a Saturday, so I'd been up again all night long playing on the PS3. I'd gotten up from playing to get a drink. Now you need to understand the layout a bit. The front door goes right into the living room. Then you had the TV to the left of a hallway. The hallway split into three ways, the first being the staircase, then a closet, and another hallway that had led to the water heater and the bathroom. I had just gotten my drink poured when I heard a random male voice whisper softly in my ear. I froze in place, then after a few seconds I turned around and called out to my dad. There was no reply. I then began walking around the level of the house, searching for my dad to see if he was playing a trick on me. I opened the closet right across from the bathroom, and just as I opened it, something grabbed my shoulder. I jumped, turning to face whoever it was, but again, there was nothing. The grip on my shoulder was gone. I ran up to my room, turned on the lights, and tried my best to calm down and relax. My final occurrence was on a school night. I was downstairs with my mom and my brother. My brother was playing the PS3 and my mom was cooking dinner in the kitchen. I was in the living room doing homework. At one point, I got up to put my backpack upstairs. Then, not even when I'd gotten up two steps, Something ran down the hallway to the bathroom so fast, they'd caused a photo on the wall to slam into the floor. They opened and shut the bathroom door and locked it. My mom asked me and my brother if we ran to the bathroom, and we both said no. She even got a little freaked out, grabbing the knife she was using to cut up vegetables, then walked slowly to the bathroom. She unlocked the door from the outside, 
but inside the bathroom there was nothing there. Everything after this was pretty small in comparison, like the toilet flushing in the middle of the night or creaking on the stairs. The only other big event was when I was 13, hanging out with my friend from the complex. We'd been standing by these woods across from my house with our back to an open area. The complex workers had been cutting down trees, so there were tons of dead leaves and sticks to step on. My friend and I were just talking, when we heard someone take a few steps in the middle of the woods to our right. Then they stepped to turn towards us. We just stopped. Then we turned our heads quickly to see nothing there. No noise of running or a person hiding, just nothing. After we moved out, recently, I asked my mom and my sister if they'd seen anything paranormal in that old house. They both admitted they had seen a man that was exactly what I described earlier. They saw him walking past their rooms to the bathroom. I tried looking up the history of the old apartment, but I never found anything significant. The Crying Boy From Caribou, 1996 This happened 20 years ago. I was about six years old. I grew up in Northern California where I was born and raised until I was 13, after which we moved to Arizona, but that's a different story. I've always been very sensitive to the supernatural, and for years I never really talked about half the things I saw as a child, mainly because I didn't want people to think I was crazy. Well, my family and I loved going to this little historic ghost town called Knight's Ferry. It does have some residents that live on the outskirts of the historic site my family and I often visited. When you first go to the site, you of course see a large parking lot, then a large modern building that is a museum of taxidermy animals, then past that, you see the ruins of some old decaying stone building from the 1800s, along with an old power mill wood cabin, a large river with an enclosed wooden bridge, and past all that is wide open nature and hiking trails. I grew up being told not to travel too far away on my own, maybe because rattlers could be hiding in the brush, they didn't want me to fall in the river, and also because we've heard stories of people going there to do weird cult rituals that involved animal sacrifices, and my family didn't want me stumbling upon that especially since I couldn't handle seeing a dead animal on the side of the road without crying. Well, me being ADHD and loved going on adventures, it was a little too easy for me to stray away and get distracted. That's kind of what happened that day that I had my creepy experience. I remember that day very clearly. My school was on spring break and it was a beautiful day, probably around 80 degrees. My oldest sister, we'll call her S, and her husband at the time, Jay, took me on a nice walk in the nature reserve of Knight's Ferry. We got pretty deep into the area. My sister was telling me about this cave in the area that had crystals in it. I don't know if she was telling the truth or just trying to mess with me, but I had an obsession with collecting rocks, so I kept an eye out for anything that looked like a cave. S and Jay found a spot they stopped at to look over the scenery. It was by what looked to be the ruins of a stone brick wall. I could hear the river running nearby as I looked at the brick wall and my six-year-old brain was thinking, I bet you this was a castle. Suddenly, I heard a child crying. I looked around and didn't see anyone at the moment, so I followed the cry. Soon I found a little boy crying by the river. 
I can't really remember what he was wearing, but I do remember he was a Caucasian boy with dark hair and brown eyes. He seemed to be around my age. I felt something inside me tell me to run, but of course my empathetic heart wanted to comfort him instead. I went up to him cautiously and said, Hey, are you okay? What's wrong? Why are you crying? The boy looked at me and said, Me and my friend were playing ball, and the ball fell into the river. My friend went to get it, but he never came back up. The boy and I were standing about a good eight feet away from the river. I looked at the river as the water violently rushed by, and I looked back at the boy. Okay, I have my family nearby. Stay here. Don't move while I go get help. The boy nodded, and I went to give him a quick comfort hug. That's when I noticed something weird. It felt like I'd hugged a wet corpse. He felt extremely cold and soaked. But when I looked at him, he was perfectly dry. I felt very uneasy, almost a sense of doom. I took a quick step back, very confused, and I looked at the boy again for a second. He was staring at the river now, crying. I looked away, getting ready to head into the direction of S and J for a split second, and I hear a loud splash. I stopped and turned around and realized the boy was gone. I looked around knowing that it's impossible for someone to move that quickly, to be gone from my side like that in under a second. He couldn't have jumped in the river that quickly, not without me seeing, but he was just gone. I stopped for a moment, dread filling my body. I froze in fear as I looked around trying to make logic of what just happened. S came around the way and yelled at me. What the heck, we've been calling you for about five minutes. Get your butt over here right now. I told you not to stray away from us. I looked at her and said, but, but there was a boy. My sister looked around and looked at me. Yeah, okay, let's get going. For years, I told no one this story, until a couple of years ago. I was telling my sister about the boy. Her face froze as she listened to the story. When I finished, she said, Back in the 70s, there were two little boys playing ball by the river. One of the boys dropped the ball in the river and went in to get it. The river had a really strong current and dragged that boy under. His friend tried to jump in and save him, but they both drowned in the river. Although I have witnessed a lot of bizarre supernatural experiences at Knight's Ferry, this one was the one that creeped me out the most, mainly because I didn't actually hug a boy. That's the part that freaks me out so bad. With that, we're at the end of this week's episode of Unexplained Encounters. Don't worry, I'll be back soon with more scary stories for you to enjoy. If you don't like to wait, subscribe to Darkness Prevails on YouTube to catch new stories sooner. If you want to hear me read your story, send it to me at darkstories.org. Before I go, help us spread the word and reach new listeners. Just share this podcast with your friends and family, follow us on Spotify, and or review us on iTunes. Thank you. Until next time, everyone, remember, this world is a strange one. So stay safe out there, and stay creepy.